0: Sin is going to spread in an unprecedented way. One of the reasons it's spreading so much today is because the church is getting weaker and weaker, and we are seeing what Jesus said would happen at the end of time. He will come back for a lukewarm church, and we're losing our salt and our light, and that gives evil a chance to spread. And the average Christian in America no longer shares the gospel.
1: Hello, and welcome to Search the Scriptures. The Bible Teaching Ministry of Dr. Carl Brogi, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. Our message today is entitled The Time of the Filthy Four. It is part two of a message looking at the sixth trumpet judgment that God causes to fall on earth during a time known as the tribulation. The Filthy Four are four fallen angels who are currently in captivity awaiting the day of the blowing of this sixth trumpet. As we rejoin Dr. Brogi, he addresses the fact that these four fallen angels will be responsible for killing a third of mankind as they unleash 200 million soldiers.
0: Now, please understand, John is carried up into heaven in 95 AD. He is able to see the future before it happens. And in 95 AD, there were not 200 million people alive on planet Earth. Now we don't think sometimes about the population realm that we live in, but let me refresh your mind. In 1804, as this chart reminds you, we reached the first billion people in human history. From the creation of Adam and Eve till 1804, it took that long for us to reach one billion people. In 1927, the population turned to two billion. Then uh, the next. Billion came in 1959, where we hit 3 billion. And after that, the rate is accelerated. 74, 4 billion. 87, 5 billion. 99, 6 billion. 7 billion. And in four years, they project approximately 8 billion people on the earth. Now understand, there are as many people alive today on planet earth as has lived in all of human history. We're living in an incredible time in the history of the world. And so when John writes, and he writes of an army of 200 million, there are not even 200 million people alive on planet Earth. So no doubt God has him pen. I heard the number because he wants to underscore. This is not John guesstimating this army he sees. He hears the number specifically, and he writes it down for us to read. Now this is again one of the verses that the critics love to attack, and they say the Bible is filled with error and myth, but they are twisting the Scriptures to their own destruction. And by the way, if you remember in the introductory message for the book of Revelation, we saw that there are different approaches as to how to interpret it. Jesus took the futuristic approach, so I'll take that beginning in chapter 4, but some of our brethren, primarily in the Reformed Calvinistic traditions, they take a preterist view of the book of Revelation. The word preter is the Latin word that means past. And they say everything we're reading happened on or before 70 A.D., Listen, that's just nonsense. You have to twist the scriptures, rationalize them, spiritualize them, and you cannot plainly interpret them. Not to mention there's never been a time in human history where one third of the world's population was wiped out as we read here. So how does one manufacture an army Of 200 million people. Now during World War II, when the greatest number of American soldiers were serving, there were 12 million who were enlisted in an active service. In fact, the total number in all of the armies on both sides during the Second World War reached 70 million. It is true that in 1965 on the cover of Life magazine, China claimed to have an army of 200 million people. Well, as it turns out, they only had 2 million people. Uh, but nonetheless, the prophecy nuts went wild. They said, there it is, 200 million. Ah, this is revelation. This is the army that John wrote about. Well, let me refresh your mind. These are statistics as of 2017 put out by the International Institute for Strategic Studies, who are supposedly the top group on these numbers. Here's the 10 largest armies in the world. China is the largest, 2,285,000. USA, we have 1,431,000. India is third, 1,325,000. North Korea, after them, 1,190,000. Russia, all the way down to Vietnam, 482,000. Now, according to this same authoritative group, if you take all of the armies in the world, and I saw a list of every one, and I mean, some countries have like 100 in their army, not very impressive, but if you take all of them in the world, there's 27,437,280 active personnel. Worldwide. And then there's 49.8 million reservists, and then supposedly about 7 million paramilitary. If you add them all together, that's 84.2 million. My point in sharing this with you is that even if you took all of the armies of the world, active, inactive, paramilitary in the world today, you wouldn't come up with this number, 200 million. Verse 16, the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And so beyond the number of the army, I want you to consider the nature of this army, the nature of this army. Now, I have some commentaries in my library. I have about 50 commentaries in the book of Revelation, and they go wacko with this passage. And it sells books. I could preach a sermon that would tantalize you and make you interested and maybe even pack the seats more, but I'd be lying to you. And it wouldn't be truthful and it wouldn't be sound exegetical principles that I would be using. Now it's interesting to make the descriptions of what we're going to read here to be symbolic of tanks and helicopters and rockets that are coming out of them and the back end of an F-18 and it would be very tantalizing and... But that's not what the text is referring to. Now Hal Lindsey made it that way, and he sold millions of books. Millions of books. Now Hal was on staff when I was on staff with Campus Crusade, and I think it was after the third or fourth wife, none of us wanted to hear him anymore. You need to be careful when you read. Certainly when you read the Revelation, there are symbols in it. But we have seen there are similes. It's like this or it's as this. And so you try to discern, well, what is the symbol? John says that this was communicated through symbols. And a lot of the symbols are interpreted within Revelation or from the Old Testament itself. Of the 404 verses, 300 are from the Old Testament. That's about 75% of the Revelation. And so God interprets the Revelation for us. But once you interpret the symbol, then you believe it literally. Okay? Well, unless there's a simile, it's like this or as this, then you literally interpret it. And these are a description of fallen, wicked, evil angels. Now, this parallels what we saw in the first half of the chapter. Even Hal Lindsey... And a lot of the wacko commentaries don't think the first half of the chapter is some tank or rocket or anything like that because they can't do that with it because there is an angel, Apollon, who opens up the abyss and releases his army of locusts like demons who come across the earth. And so we're just following the same pattern. Look at verse 17. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them the riders had breastplates, the color of fire and of hyacinth and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. This is not some science fiction movie. Once again, these are not missile spit, spitting helicopters and missiles with flames coming out. There's no reason to interpret this except at face value. We've already seen in the fourth chapter of the Revelation as well as in the book of Ezekiel that for instance an angel can have a face like a lion. I mean, some of those angels, they're really kind of bizarre looking. I'm looking forward to seeing them someday. I mean, and, and what was true of all of God's holy angels, a third of them fell and rebelled. So we're in the lead. We got two third good angels against one third of the fallen angels. But some of them are bizarre looking, and now they've taken on two fallen characteristics. John writes here of the color of fire. It's the word Turas, we saw it translated as red. The red dragon and the red horseman and the blood and the war that they bring. And then he mentions here the color hyacinth, which is a brilliant blue. And he mentions brimstone, which is a lemon yellow. Three primary colors represented here in the text. I mean, is this some tank? Oh, Joe, I, I love your red, yellow, and blue tank. Just makes me feel good so I don't think so. And the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. So we have a simile here, they're like the heads of lions, and then we have reality, and out of their mouths come fire and smoke and brimstone. Listen, God said it, I believe it, that settles it for me. The problem with so many people in understanding the revelation is they just don't take it at face value. They fail to believe what God plainly said. And if you will simply believe what he wrote, it becomes very clear. Three judgments mentioned here. Fire and smoke and brimstone. And twice over in verse 18 and verse 20, you ought to circle it, they're called three plagues. Now you show me a plague that God used some human instrument in which to enact, and then I can show you a tank in this passage. But all the plagues in the word of God come under the sovereign hand of God Almighty. These are real plagues. There are no metaphors. He speaks of fire that's literal, smoke that's literal, brimstone that is literal, just as as these three were literal in Sodom. Someone asked me just this week, and they said, well, Jesus never spoke on homosexuality. I said, yes, he did. Number one, in defining marriage between a man and a woman, and also in describing his second coming, when he likens it to the days of Noah, days of moral impropriety, and the days of Lot, days of moral perversion. And he described the judgment that came on those two cities with the fire and brimstone and smoke. Listen, just as the judgment that came on those two cities was a real literal judgment as Jesus explained it, this is a real literal judgment that won't come on just two cities, but it's going to come across the planet. Look at verse sixteen, eighteen. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. That's pretty heavy. If it happened today, there are 7.6 billion people on the earth. Remember the fourth seal, the fourth rider, took out one-third of the earth. This particular, or one-fourth of the earth, and this trumpet brings out one-third of the earth. That's seven-twelfths of the population. If it happened today, there would be 4.4 dead 4.4 billion dead people across the planet. Whoa. For the power, verse 19, of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. So unlike the first horde of demons that we studied in the first half of chapter 9, that can only torture men. These four demons have an army that can kill men, and they will kill on a massive scale. Their heads can bite like a lion, and their tails can sting like serpents. A lion And of course, the serpent are two deadly killers. They're hideous in their appearance. And it's a reflection of how evil and fallen. I'm telling you, this chapter, among other things and other passages we're going to study, when you get a picture of what demons actually look like, unlike some of the holy angels that are more friendly in appearance, these demons are so heinous and evil, you're getting a reflection of what is really happening in the demonic realm. You think about that. When Satan lures you, you think about the real evil that is behind that lure because these are evil, evil fallen creatures. This is a time of demonic activity. It's a time of destructive activity. Finally, this is a time of depraved activity. Now, you might think that this incredible and unprecedented time of death and destruction would bring people to repentance but we will see it will not. First, man's depravity is seen in worship, in his worship. Man's depravity is seen in his worship. Now, in spite of these six trumpets that God has allowed, we're told that the rest of mankind would still not repent of their rebellious lifestyle. The apostle John now enumerates on man's worship, and then he's going to explain his works. Look at his worship in verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They're They're worshiping idols. And behind these idols, they're worshiping demons. We have a number of brothers and sisters in both services today from India. You go to India, and just about every 10 yards, there's some idol, it seems. The whole country is covered over in idolatry. In fact, a large percentage of the world still worships precisely as described in this text. And the reason some of these idols seem so real to people, though they're just pieces of glass or stone or wood, is because, as Paul explains to the Corinthians, behind the object, there's a demon which makes it seem so real. And so sometimes it starts small. Someone goes to a medium or fortune teller. Yeah, let's go see that medium. It'll be fun. And they don't know what they're getting into. And sometimes otherwise intelligent people. Look at Nancy Reagan, how she would meet with her medium on a regular basis to find out the future of her family. And then you have families who keep good luck charms, crystals and amulets and figurines. But listen, that's a dangerous practice to do that. And God reminds us, of course, that these objects can neither see nor hear nor walk. He is contrasting their worship of the creation with the one whom they should be worshiping, the Creator God. And in spite of all these judgments that God wants to use to bring about repentance, they still don't repent. So their depravity is seen in their worship, but also in their works, in their works, verse 21 now. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Look, when the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit is removed, when the church is raptured, sin is going to spread in an unprecedented way. One of the reasons it's spreading so much today is because the church is getting weaker and weaker, and we are seeing what Jesus said would happen at the end of time. He will come back for a lukewarm church, and we're losing our salt and our light, and that gives evil a chance to spread. And the average Christian in America no longer shares the gospel, the average Christian American no longer tries to reach their lost friend or neighbor. And when that happens, when the light is lowered and the salt is, loses its saltiness, evil spreads. But when the church is removed, evil is going to spread like we've never, ever seen it. They did not repent of their murders. Look, we have murder across our planet. Sixty-plus million Americans are missing 465 million worldwide through the infanticide of abortion. It's not an unforgivable sin, but it is still nonetheless murder. It's not a woman's right to take an innocent human little baby. But look, at this time in human history, the law of the jungle is going to kick in. Why? Because so much of the planet is going to be terrorized and the waters and the trees and the vegetation and it's Fight your neighbor to get food from them even if it means murder. They didn't repent of their sorceries. pharmakia We get our English word pharmacy from it. The world will be on drugs when people enter into the realm of drugs. They are entering into the realm of sorcery. And these politicians need their heads examined. Ask any police officer, and they will tell you that legalized marijuana is the doorway drug into harder drugs. And when we have men like Tom Davis, and I will do everything in my power to get you unelected, because every time he stands up on the floor of the Senate in South Carolina, he will talk about legalizing pot in this state. I'm telling you, You want Colorado and what they're experiencing? A lot of the politicians now have deep, deep regrets over what is happening in that state. You don't want this. Look at their this so-called medical marijuana is an evil beyond evil, not to mention you have Christians who say, well, I don't smoke a joint, but I like a beer before I go to bed or a glass of wine with my pizza. What, Jesus won't satisfy you? you got to have a buzz in order to be happy on the inside. Third, they wouldn't repent of their immorality, pornea. We got our word pornography from it. It's used in the Bible to refer to either premarital sex or any kind of sexual immorality outside of marriage. Imagine, even in the face of one-third of the planet being wiped out, you would think, oh my we need to get right with God. They would not repent of what they've done. And that doesn't totally shock us. 9-11 came and for three weeks the churches were packed. And Then we forgot about it. We don't need God anymore. Now how are we going to apply this? Remember, all Scripture is profitable. Let me suggest Three applications as we close. Number one, this chapter should, appreci- should increase your appreciation for God's timing, for God's timing. This passage mentions specifically the hour, the day, the month, or the year when the sixth trumpet will be blown. Timing is everything to God. For centuries, God's Jewish people prayed for Messiah, and Paul said, in the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4, he came into this world. Second Peter chapter 3 reminds us that in the last days, men will mock God and Christians over preachers like me who talk about Jesus coming back. And Peter says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. God has not forgotten. God is on a perfect timetable. He knows exactly what he is doing. And when you read this chapter of Scripture, remember all Scripture is given to equip you, even though this is of a future time, it is a reminder that our God is working everything under His timetable. Secondly, this chapter should increase your appreciation of God's sovereignty. It should be a fresh reminder to all of us of the seriousness of demons, but nonetheless that God is sovereign even over the demonic realm. A demon like Satan, and we've seen it all the way through Revelation, and we're going to continue to see it, are under God's sovereignty. I mean, go back in this chapter. Look at verse 1 of this chapter. We're told the key was given to him. That fallen angel just couldn't grab the key and open it when he wanted it. The key was given to him to open up the abyss. Look at verse 3. We're told that power was given to them, meaning the power that these demons had was a delegated power. It was given to them. Verse 4, we're told here, they were told not to hurt the the foliage. And again in verse 5, they were not permitted to kill anyone. Again, they're under the sovereignty of God. Verse 14, the four angels were bound, and then they were released at the sovereign hand of God. Why is this important? You need to remember God is sovereign. We are living in a day where it just seems like there's a dark cloud of evil that's coming across the land. I mean, there's relentless reporting almost daily of sexual harassment reported on some congressman or lawyer or preacher or pastor or politician. Add to that, we have pornography, pornography, that is covering the land. We have gay and transgender lifestyles that are being promoted, even in the programming of little children. Do you know what your little children are watching on TV? If you will sit and listen, you will find there's a message behind a lot of it that is antithetical to the word of God. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's atheists who are bent on taking every vestige of God and Christianity and our Judeo-Christian ethic out of our society. Add to that, you've got terrorists. It's not just a strap-on vest bomb anymore, but now they have cars and trucks we're maybe on the verge of a nuclear war. There's a spread of evil that is encompassing our culture and not just our culture, but our world. It is absolutely incredible. The forces of evil are spreading, but God is sovereign over it all. He knows what is happening. Police shootings, they're happening almost daily. We need to p- pray for our policemen. We have a lot of policemen in this church. We need to pray for them, for the work that they do. And then bombings in once sacred places like churches, in once safe places like school, we just blink. Well, it's another one. It just become commonplace. But God is over it all, Martin Luther. At a time when he was under great tribulation, he penned these words, A mighty fortress is our God, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. We must never forget that. Satan cannot do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. You are from God, little children, John wrote, and have overcome them because greater is he, the Lord who is in you, than he that is in the world. Satan wanted to sift Peter, but as Luke 23 indicates, he needed God's permission. Satan wanted to wipe out Job, but he wasn't given that authority. Satan is on a leash because God is absolutely sovereign over him. I remember hearing Corey Temboom as a relatively new Christian in a great church in Boston that is now apostate. And she said this, I will never forget her words. If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will become depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will find rest. Look, our God is sovereign. Rest in Him. He is on His throne. Third and finally, This chapter should increase your appreciation for the mercy of God, for God's mercy. I mean, think about it. If God so chose, He could have just in one swift judgment wiped out the whole planet. But He doesn't. He takes seven years to unfold this. Why? Because it's his final wake-up call. He is giving man just a sampling, just an inkling of what is going to come in that awful place called the lake of hell that we're going to study. And he wants people to repent and get right with him. You would think a lot of people at this point would say, some Messiah, you are Antichrist. Look what you rule over. What a mess we're in. But because many times men love sin more than the light, they will not come to the Lord. Look, I study this passage this week and I feel compassion in my heart because I know this day is coming. It is going to come. And those who have heard the gospel prior to the rapture in clarity and in power will not have a chance during this time they will become a part of the great delusion, the judgment that God will send upon the earth. We'll study it when we come to the 13th chapter. But my heart has a sense of compassion where I think this is just an inkling. This is just a flavor of the eternal judgment that is yet to come. And as Christians, we need to speak up. We need to be faithful stewards of the gospel that God has given us. We need to reach out. By the way, we can see more happen in this service. The first service is three times as many people. And I realize 200 of them are over there in Hilton Head. But look, we need to reach out in this service more. We, We need to trust God. We need to believe God to bring people to himself because God is not desirous that people perish, but they come to repentance.
1: To listen again to today's message, The Time of the Filthy Four, Use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV24. Search the Scriptures is made possible through the prayerful and financial support of listeners like yourself. Would you please call and help continue this Bible teaching program? Our phone number is 877-787-7478 or simply click the Give button on our app or our website searchthescriptures.org. Tomorrow we begin a look at God's mighty angel and little book as we continue our study in the Revelation and search the Scriptures.